Welcome back to Esther Alexis, Body of an Extrovert. Today, y'all, we are out here in Phoenix, Arizona, the sunshine state that is not insanely conservative. And we are here with my good friend, Cheese. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I go by Cheeseburger. Most people call me Cheese. Some people call me Burger. Usually one of those two. Or just put them both together. Cheeseburger. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, so do you want to tell them like what you do, something about yourself? Yeah. So, I mean, I work in radio. Um right now on a part-time basis and I work in what's called promotions. Okay. So when you see like events or concerts and stuff like that, there's usually like some type of brand ambassador. So I do that. And then also I do some hosting, some emceeing. Um, I do some on-air work with them as well. And I also do marketing consulting on the side, help pay the bills. Okay, all right, listen, the bills gotta get paid, so do what you must. So I'm just gonna give a little background of what I know thus far, correct me if I'm wrong, and feel free to add in at any point, but you're originally from New York. Mm -hmm. I'm from Connecticut. Mm. I've been here a week. Yeah. How have you stayed here this long? The mentality is so different out here. I've already told Natalie, who is my hostess with the mostest out here, um, but I've already told Natalie, I was like, I can't be here. Like, it's yeah. it's so quiet, it's so, like, it derails me. I feel like... I, I feel insane here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite words that I've developed over time is compartmentalize. Okay. That is probably the secret that I've had to being out here so long or really just being in spaces where there aren't that many melanated or black folk for that matter. It's kind of like I'm here, but I'm only going to give a certain amount of myself here. That way, if I see something happen or respond to it, I'm like, well, eh. you know, it kind of, I shrug it off just a little bit better. But that, I'd say, that and again, just going also outside of your way to mm -hmm. find black folk. Like if there's an event or something like that, you know, if I got to drive, you know, 20 minutes and so be it, you know. Oh, wow. You don't have to do that in New York. I'll tell you that much. Nah, New York, nah, you just go outside of the bodega. And everybody's there. Yeah, everybody there. So how did you first come out to Phoenix? Uh, funny story, uh, I wanted to study video game design. Okay. And I was in New York in high school and I went down this website that had a whole bunch of video game design schools. And I just went in alphabetical order by state. Wow. So I saw Alaska. I said, hell no. Um, yep. <laughs> I said, Alabama. Mm. And I got to Arizona. I found a school out here. I liked it. And that's what brought me out here was college, really. Um, did that for a bit. Went to a different school. Played college across. Went back to New York for a bit. And then came back out here in like 2016. So, um, I mean, that's really what brought me out here was the school thing, but just the cost of living is probably what kept me out here and opportunities in radio. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. So have you always been passionate about radio then? Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's like, I've always been passionate about radio, but didn't know it was radio. Hmm. You know, okay. like when I was a kid, I wanted to be an actor. I was like, I wanted to do something where um, I can like be creative and express myself. So at the time I thought, you know, acting. Then high school, I'm like, oh, video games. I like creativity, things like that. But I met a number of different professors. Some of them were like, yo, you have a great gift for public speaking. You write very well. And then finally, I had a professor once who said, yo, you, they would love you at the radio station, the college station. So I was, you know, I checked it out and that kind of what started it. But as I've gone down the journey, just unlocking new things, and I'm like, man, this is, Oh, okay, I can be this lit and y'all not gonna judge me? Okay, cool. I think I got a thing here. 
Yeah. Okay. That is, see, and now I definitely, I want to tie the two because previously you said being out here in Arizona, you kind of have to like know how much of yourself you're really going to give. And so do you feel like radio is the one place that you get to 100% be yourself? Um, yes and no. Because what happens is even though it's my passion, it's also, um, there. it's about making money. So I may work for the radio station and obviously they like me being me, but then there's time where there's like a time and a place. So example, if I'm around kids, there are certain things I won't talk about or express myself as, you know, in a totally different way. Um, the other thing too is, yo, I'm a six foot three brother. I got plenty of sense. Me interacting with like a little white kid and yo, I might just be handing them a poster and that situation can go any direction. So that's why, like, I'm very, like, plain bread when it comes to some events. Because, A, I already know these folk may feel some type of way or not. But even if they don't, I'm not going to allow the opportunity for, like, a crazy reaction to happen because it's a radio station. If I make one person uncomfortable, I could possibly lose the crowd. So I got to yes and no, like, adjust how I, I move in radio, I guess you could say. That's a good thing. I think knowing how to market yourself in a particular crowd is, is a definitely way to keep success here. And I kind of wonder if as black people just in general, we set ourselves up for failure by walking into the room predetermining what everyone else will be thinking about us. I say this because, um, what is her What is her name? Um, she's not a black artist, she's a black author, but she talks about black people constantly having the white gaze or the white person on their shoulder and thinking about that before they enter a room and so they dress appropriately they fix their tones appropriately they market themselves right but she was like but it's so much more like liberating to just walk into a room as yourselves and so she was like maybe we're holding ourselves back right like maybe we're doing by, by making everyone else comfortable in advance maybe we're actually just killing ourselves by ourselves like we're assisting in our own assassination yeah and that's where i think as people we sometimes well, a lot of times we have a hard time balancing things. We like to think of an extreme. Well, if I'm doing this and I do it all the time or whatever, I say it's like a case-by-case -case basis of when it comes to like code switching per mm -hmm. se. Um, and you're actually very right. It is in a way setting ourselves back because we're already putting weight on in an environment where it may not even happen. It may not even be confirmed. But again, some people operate from different motivations and a lot of the times it's um, just wanting to stay out the way. And in a sense, if you stay out the way too much, you lose yourself. Now, but then the balance is being yourself and then being whatever that is um, and then just sticking to that. But the thing most black folk know is that when you are yourself, you better be prepared to defend yourself because there's this term a friend of mine said to me. He said, Arizona is aggressively white. I didn't know what that meant. And he said, here's an example. Um, white person meets me and they go, hey, something, something, you know, oh, you play basketball? Nah, I didn't play basketball. Or, hey, you like hip hop? Nah, you know, I listen to Caribbean music. Really? Are you sure? What do you mean am I sure? But it's because what happens is if you just be yourself and whatever you say or do is outside the scope of that stereotype, they'll try to bring you back into that. Because to them, it's like, oh, every black person I know probably grew up struggling or whatever, whatever stereotype surface level stuff they go with. 
And then they focus on that. But then when you say something like you went to college for with a bachelor's, I mean, that's normal. Or someone can be, oh, that's cool. But to them, it's like, oh, my gosh, really? Oh, I can imagine. It must have been hard to overcome. That's what I'm talking about. So now it's like I don't even want to talk about that because now I'm going to sit here and be like, the hell is wrong with you? And a lot of the times, do you want to address it or how you address it? And sometimes for some black folk, it's easier to be like, instead of addressing that, that's why sometimes they might minimize themselves. But that's why I also say it's a balance. It's like, it's, 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 it's tricky and it's hard and it's exhausting. But like that scenario is kind of why I think a lot of us do it. And then follow-up question, do you think it's the responsibility of said black person, right, to kind of break the stereotype, like break the narrative? And I say that because Natalie, um, who's our mutual friend who is sitting right there, who's super cute and pregnant, y'all are not seeing her right now, but she's cute as a button, Um, (laughs) which, funny story, so when Cheese and I started first speaking on Instagram, I was like, yeah, like, he was like, yeah, I think we have a mutual friend or whatever. And I was like, yeah, Natalie. And he was like, I'm sorry to tell you this. I don't know if you remember this. I have the audios and I laugh so hard. He goes, I'm sorry. He goes, I'm sorry to tell you this, but Natalie was the most racist individual. <laughs> Her face right now. She was the most racist, intolerable, in just the absolute worst person I have ever met. And then he goes, and I'm sorry that you've run into her. And this is not a joke. Natalie's face right now is horrified. I was clutching my invisible pearls, the shock. And then I literally respond, you know what? I'm so sorry that that's the experience you've had of her. But I was like, but the Natalie I know is such an advocate. Right. She's such an amazing person. I was like, I don't know. Maybe she's changed in the right, last right. few years. She's amazing. And then he goes, wait, who are you talking about? And I was like, Natalie, strong. She worked with you at like Nestle or something or Indeed. And he goes, oh, oh, yeah, no, no. That girl was dope. I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> he was like, completely different Natalie. He goes, no, that girl was amazing. Yeah. And I I was like, wow. I had budding tears in my eyes. Like, I've befriended a racist. <laughs> like, yeah, wow. I, I want to just say, first of all, uh, I apologize. So. No, you're, you're, you did apologize. You were, right. But you were earnest. I actually respect you for being so earnest. Like, he was like, mutual friend. No, no, no. Let me, let me set it straight up in here. And I was like, I was about to text my friends in our little NBA chat. Like, she's a racist. <laughs> like... No, but it's so crazy. And so I was like, wow, the 180 she must have done in the last two (laughs) years. And I was like, the person she is now is the person I'm going to defend. But I actually respect you for being like, no, 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 no. I'm going to set it straight right here. And then you also took accountability. You was like, no, that was a whole different person. I am so, so sorry. And that's kind of, it's funny you bring that up too, because that's kind of where I go to, I'm like, I'm just going to be myself, right? Now, not necessarily our Natalie, you know, yeah. she's a sweetheart, cues the button. She is, she uh, really is, gay. It's, it's just that, like, in a sense of being candid with certain experiences. I mean, uh, there's people on my social media who may follow me or whatever that I don't even really, part like, associate with. Um, but there's times where I will remember certain people and the experiences that happen. And like you said, I'm earnest because... I think of it like this. If like you met someone and we're mutual friends, right? They may do certain things or have a certain behavior or whatever that maybe I don't condone, right? Or I don't deal with. Everybody does to an extent. But if someone did something enough to where I'm like, nah, I have to let this be known because it's a reflection of me. You know what I'm saying? And that's usually kind of how I look at it. Just that um, I'm very particular about like, look, I, I'm open to all kind of people, friends from different backgrounds. You know, I'm not too much in my bubble, but if I believe that there is a person who may be, you know, either, da- not dangerous, but like not, like someone you can do without, 
I'll say so. I pre- that was literally the first conversation we ever had. Wasn't even like, hello, how are you? Like, my name is so much. He was like, this mutual friend of yours, she's got to go. Immediately, immediately, immediately. No, honestly, though, I respect that. And I will say, um, when it comes to dangerous social media content, and only because I'm saying this, because one of the reasons that I reached out to Cheese was because I really admire what you do on social media outside of the radio hosting, which is like you speak to mental health topics in the black community and what it mm-hmm. feels like, you know, to be a black man just living in a America and I feel like a lot of the times we kind of hear the same things day in and day out and the source that we hear them from are on social media and I think it's also interesting that you're in traditional media because it's just so different so like Mm. For example, anchors, for example, have to vet their stories. Like journalism used to be like this true blue thing, but now because everyone has a social media platform, anyone can say anything unlicensed, unchecked, Mm -hmm. especially in the world of wellness, particularly black wellness, Mm -hmm. right? Like we're seeing content that's distributed, that's violent, Mm -hmm. and that's presented as news. Like you go to a great example of this, and it's no shade, ironically the shade room Mm -hmm. right like you'll go on the shade room and there's a video of someone being choked to death beat to death etc and it's like it's categorized as news as if absorbing that content as a person of color is not a traumatic act it almost feels like you're living it in the moment like part of you is dying like you know collectively um and i'm just like as someone who is in radio how do you feel about that kind of media kind of just going unlicensed? And to what extent are you guys even, you know, given a check and balance when it comes to what you can say and can't say? Yeah. So um, something I heard from one of my mentors, um, Sway, he had a guest on. I can't remember who. The guest said something like, look, everyone has a right to say something, but not everyone deserves a microphone. So if you think about, like, you ever go to, like, a church or whatever, and it's that one person, like, go ahead, baby, do your thing. And, and they just nervous in a mug. And it's like, who gave this person a microphone? Like, we love them. But they're not comfortable or adept with expressing themselves in front of a group of people. That takes a certain, you know, skill. So I say that because, truthfully, social media, anyone can go in there. But everyone feels like they deserve a microphone. That's the problem with some social media. If I scroll down and I see something I don't like, I unfollow the person or I just pass it by and just call it a day. But people have this like gripping relationship with wanting to be seen, heard, or felt. And that's why they just say things to get a reaction. Um, Chris Rock did a stand-up and he said the number one addiction in America is attention. Is attention. And of course, respect to anyone who's dealing with a real life addiction, you know, but I say that because yeah, people will put themselves in a victim mindset in order to feel like they should get some attention. Now, on the radio side of things, the thing about traditional media is that um, it's it's a for-profit thing. I, I, when I was in college, one of my mentors uh, at the time, he asked me, teaching a class, he said, so what's the number one uh, goal or purpose of radio? And people were saying things like, you know, represent the people, be journalistic, news. He's like, no, make money. And with that being said, Radio still has a responsibility to speak on certain things, to talk on certain things, because it's a part of like their license agreement, an FCC license. It's a government issued thing. Um, the process to get one is long and there's a whole bunch of things behind it. But even though you get licensed to be on the radio, that doesn't mean you could just go in there and just be ignorant. Um, now, you have a responsibility to do the right thing, but also you need to make money. So you have a place where like a lot of traditional media, 
when you don't have people of color or you don't have a diverse group of individuals behind the skewed that's where the stories become misskewed and misunderstood. Um, I'll actually tell you a trippy story. Um, one of my one of my good colleagues, uh, mentor, uh, Crisco Kid, shout out to Crisco Kid, and uh, he had did afternoons uh, at Power ninety eight point three, and uh, Crisco he's from Houston, and you know he's uh, he's Mexican American if I remember, and you know cool guy, been around hip hop 25, 30 years, knows hip hop like the back of his hand. Um, he told he sometimes when he did his show he would have conversations on police brutality. Um, black people being pulled over, like a number of like social and civil rights issues. Again, it's radio. There was a point where there, the program director had to go into the studio to tell Crisco Kid, hey, so we've been getting a lot of phone calls from people complaining that they're tired of hearing you talk about stories pertaining to police brutality and things like that. And truthfully, when the microphone's not on, there's people back there who can say, yes, this is a terrible thing. This is messed up. Police need to be held accountable. But when they turn the microphone on, they have a responsibility to, A, make a profit for the station, which is the reality of it. But number two, we have to, that's where we try to get creative about speaking on those things and talking about those things. But then I go back to when you don't have a diverse group of people behind the scenes, those things get skewed. Now, Crisco, he himself is not black, but he's still, you know, a brown person. But he also empathizes with the culture, not just because he's a radio personality, but he's also like, nah, I understand that things can be trippy and things like that. So I take things away from him where I got to be particular about the things that I talk about or how I talk about it when the microphone is on, because I can still be entertaining. We can still work in the mindset of the, being a profit for the station. But if we're going to talk about certain things, we have to be aware of how we're delivering it. And I like that because that's our filter and our attempt at objectivity. Because truthfully, I could just go on a microphone and talk about whatever I want. But again, I have to talk about things that entertains people, that serves people, that informs people. A lot of the times those things could be very hard hitting or heavy things. But if as a broadcaster, I can convey that message in a way where people can receive it, then I did my job. But that's kind of the big difference with like social media or podcasting people versus like those in traditional radio. Um, it's no shade to podcasting, but I, uh, I relate podcasting to like basketball. That's playing ball overseas. Radio is the NBA. It's no shade to anybody. And I say that because there's a lot of people in podcasting spaces that can make real good money doing whatever they do, just like people play ball overseas. But if they were to go to the NBA or go to radio, a lot of them may struggle because it's a totally different world, mainly in that you really have to objectify yourself and what you're talking about, not because you want to do it, but because you have to, because your job is to be informative and educational. So I'll definitely agree that it definitely provides some of a filter. And I think that one of the podcasters um, that I follow, and she's a bit extreme, um, but she talks about how it's better to have a podcast or to have, you know, these social media platforms because the lack of that filter um, allows for 
quote unquote the truth, right? Like, for example, Fox just took a plea deal, right? Because they knowingly, you know, were spreading misinformation mm-hmm. about the election, right? Yeah. So if Fox, which is a huge multi-million, even maybe even billion dollar corporation, can go ahead and tell absolute lies, then they're like, then why can't we come up here and give our actual opinions, experiences, whatever, even if it's to the detriment of the people? And I think that in particular, when we talk about politics and we talk about trauma and what's going on in the community I'm like I don't think people would recognize that in so in an ocean full of like microphones and everyone's screaming something they're not necessarily realize who's taking the brunt of that noise and that damage and I am going to say and it might you know be it might be challenged but I'm going to say I think that people of color kind of take the beating like and I say this because and I'll say adolescence also Mm. takes the beatings and I say this because they don't have the ability, right, to sit down and be like, this is not objective, right? This is coming from Fox, which is predominantly conservative, or it's coming from CNN, which is predominantly liberal. And so they're taking on information that may be presented as facts or worse, as wellness, like tips, whatever, what have mm-hmm. you, um, and going forward with that. There's data that shows that more people are feeling, A, more isolated, B, more radical, right? Whether they're liberal or they're conservative, they yeah. feel like it, the, the division has never been bigger, right, in this country. Um, and there's higher rates of just PTSD, of mm-hmm. people with mental health issues. And it's also, you know, going alongside the fact that social media and access to news that is not being vetted being accessed at double the rate. So I'm like, is it fair that we're trying to hold podcasters and social media gurus and influencers to the same level or to the same standard, you know, as traditional media? Or, I mean, is it yeah. kind of free speech, if you will. I would say this. It's one of those things where I think podcasters and radio needs to operate like an ecosystem where each one serves its purpose for like the overall benefit of the ecosystem. So my thing is, is that I can go on about pros and cons of radio, but the thing with traditional media is that traditional media objectifies blackness. Traditional media will look at black folk on a macro scale, on a group scale, or collective scale, but not as individuals. But the times they only acknowledge us as individuals is when they're trying to sell us something. So now you think of like us as people where they're trying to show us stuff because they want us to either spend money or they're gonna show us stuff that says we're not people. We're just a part of this bigger thing. It's easier for people or the majority, right, to see these images and these things. Why? Because we're not people in a sense. And a lot of people think you have to have like this 1950 perspective of like bias and racism or prejudice, but it's like, nah, like um, what they say, no decision is a decision. Saying nothing is saying something. something, So again, it's easier for, and again, in the traditional media sense for them to see us as a collective. But where podcasting comes in and where I think is actually needed is that you have individuals who tell their story and own their narratives. But more importantly, a lot of that stuff cuts through the noise that traditional media doesn't. Because, example, a lot of radio personalities will have a regular radio show. But the things that they couldn't talk about, they talk on a podcast. So I go back to my example. I go onto radio, and I love it, right? I talk about the things I do. I enjoy myself. I'm entertaining. But I also promote myself. I promote my platform, my social media. And, of course, people will like me for whatever they like me for. Then I can also do a podcast that's parallel to that, where I can talk about that with the things that I want to talk about and go more into detail. The beautiful part, and this is no shade to anyone who does podcasting, 
I have a platform that on a bad day puts me in touch with 50,000 people at one time when it comes to like commercial radio. Mm -hmm. If I can maintain that space in that environment and I tell those people about my brand or other things that I think are important, now those people can follow me to the other platforms to then get that additional diet. And now radio people, hey, they can't say nothing because a lot of radio personalities have things outside of the station. Charlemagne the God, say what you want about him. This guy is always hosting different festivals, events. He shows up on other podcasts. He'll talk about himself, he'll talk about the station. But these are things that traditional media recognize that they can't touch or influence it. So it's like, okay, we'll leave it alone. However, um, podcasting, I think, is still needs to be there. Um, I would say it's not fair to hold podcasting to the same responsibility because truthfully, uh, podcasting's intent isn't about making money. Majority of people who do podcasting are not doing it for a profit, they're doing it to express themselves. So there's more to take away from that. Whereas with traditional media, it has its purpose. But that filter that I talk about, the reason why I have that filter on radio and not podcasting is because I have to have a filter to be aware that I'm making money. So I have to keep that on mine all the time. But I would say the two are highly needed. Um, they both, again, serve different purposes in different ways. But it's not like back in the day where there's checks and balances. It's just more like podcasting needs to happen. There's going to be a lot of noise. But the only thing I can say about podcasting that, like, is that I want to share with people um, Kev on stage. You're, you're familiar with him, right? I am. I love him. Love Kev on stage. Yeah. Kev on stage did a segment on a podcast where he said the average podcast, when a person starts one, only lasts seven episodes. Hmm. Seven, as in seven episodes. So when people are like creating it and they do episodes, it only lasts to seven because most people at that point are just fed up, whether it's they don't have the equipment. They're not getting the numbers of viewers and listeners. Maybe they didn't get the brand sponsorships and things like that. But an even more interesting statistic, uh, The Guardian, right? The, mm -hmm. newspaper, the news company, they put out an article that said since 2020, the number of people who are creating podcasts have drastically dropped by 80%. Wow. So, and there's a bunch of factors for it, but one of them is COVID, people home, isolated, have more time, hence the podcast comes about. But since COVID is, you know, um, since everybody's pretty much outside now, 80 pod, people creating podcasts have decreased by 80% since 2020. Now combine that with the average podcasting only lasting seven episodes. And, but the thing is, it's not because of other factors. Like if a radio station viewers dropped, it's because the people are not doing a good job entertaining, but they still have to figure it out because they have to make money. Podcasters, oh, I'm not, I'll just drop it. Fair, okay. and, and that's why I say we shouldn't hold them to the same criteria because again, like the people who do podcasting, they already are transcending the statistics, just like yourself, right? Mm -hmm. But even as you transcend the statistics, what you do in the conversations like we're having now is so important because I may not be able to have a conversation this in depth on air to this magnitude. But when I am on air and I wanna talk about anything and I say, hey, follow me on Instagram at Cheeseburger Live and I have it advertised on my Instagram. Hey, I just did a podcast segment. You see what I'm saying? It's so like, that's kind of where I say it's highly needed. 
Okay. There's one thing, though, that I might disagree with you with. I, in fact, I do disagree with you okay. with. And you were saying that podcasters, a lot of the times, that they're, they're, they're going out to express themselves. And yes, they are, but most people usually start them, you know, with profit in mind. And mm-hmm. I actually think that most of the podcasts that are successful, that exceed the average of seven episodes, right, who are getting the partnership deals, who are actually making the money, do have profit at the forefront. So much so that, and I think this is the problem, too, and I think, People don't recognize this, whereas there is a filter for you guys and it's for profit and you guys are not necessarily mobilizing fan bases to do certain things. Podcasters and people, right, because it's a personal brand at this point, personal brands do have the power to do that, right? So like a great example of this is Kevin Samuels, right, Mm -hmm. has a podcast, humongous, huge reach, right? And he's kind of, you know enraging people or allowing them to speak to certain things that are not necessarily always fact-based, right? But with profit in mind, it's totally different. And I say this too because in the beginning, Kevin Samuels didn't start as the Kevin Samuels that we know and love, right? Um, Know and love. (laughs) I'm like, may he rest in peace. We're not going to speak ill of the doubt. He he started off kind of similarly to podcasts like this, speaking about going, you know, what what can we do to better the black community, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How can we fix the black household, et cetera, right? And his launch, he realized he wasn't making money, so he pivots and becomes, this is why the black woman is not successful. This is why the black household is not successful. It's X, Y, Z, pointing blame at a particular direction, as opposed to what he started off as. And so I think that the issue that I take, particularly with that, with money being at the forefront of so many of these, I guess, endeavors, is that even though they know it will have detrimental effects, lasting effects, right, there's no regard there. And I also, and I think this too, even with people with wellness in mind, when one is not academically trained, when one is not given any professional, you know, education whatsoever, Mm -hmm. they kind of go up there and market whatever they have. Perfect example of this, actually, better example. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow, you know who she is, right? She has the Goop podcast and it's marketed as wellness, right? And I actually follow the Goop podcast. I enjoy it. My friend put me onto it. But more recently than not, Gwyneth Paltrow has been like, this is what you should do, you know, for your mental health, for your physical health, et cetera. And she starts talking about she only drinks broth like at at 11 p.m. or 11 a.m., right? She eats one meal a day and then does nothing else, which is very much very dangerous. And then she has guests come on who are doctors but don't have actual degrees, right? And people, she now has a reach of millions of people, especially young women, who are listening and actually tailoring their lives to mirror her because the reality is we follow people, we buy into their personal brands because we think that they're relatable to us, right? We want to mimic that. Mimicry is what the best example yeah. of, of, of flattery. flattery yeah. Um, and so when we have people like that, like the Kevin Samuels who pivot on purpose to gain profit, right? Mm-hmm. But people are still tapping in because they believe this person. There's loyalty there. There's a relatability there. Then you have the Gwyneth Paltrow's who are leading people astray with wellness, right? I know that they don't have necessarily the same filter or the same standard to meet, you know, that of, you know, mm-hmm. traditional media, but is there no standard that they should be held to? So, the- Or is that entirely on the consumer? It's, it's actually a responsibility of both because the thing is, is that like, so Kevin Samuel's example, <clears throat> you know, he shifted to the profit thing, but he didn't start that way. Right. And also like a lot of the podcasters who make money and have deals and stuff. Yes. A lot of people can make money on podcasts, but the majority of people who are in that space, they're not even at, they're, they usually don't get to that level unless that they've kind of transcended 
doing it for the reasons that they want to do it. Like I, use, I like Gary Vee, right? Gary Vee is a very big person who always says you have to care and about what you're talking about, right? If someone were to put profit at the front of anything, it's only going to go but so far. Will there be people who do put profit at the front and then go very far? Absolutely. But the difference is that's because that's based on their individual merit. I mean, uh, what was it? Andrew Tate, not really a fan of the guy. But the thing is, he has an audience. He has whatever he does. Fresh and, fresh and fit podcast. I don't know if their intent for doing it was for profit. But even though they're in the space they are, they have an audience and they do whatever. Now, the thing about people, though, is it's like what you consume is your ballot. If you go to the grocery store and you're buying bread, you're telling that grocery store this bread is important enough to you because you're putting your dollar to it. You're putting your ballot to it. So if you're talking about a podcast, um, if you listen to certain podcast episodes or you consume their content, even though you may not be a fan of it, you're encouraging it. Example. Why do people go on social media and share videos about stuff like, oh, this is terrible. This is stupid. So why are you sharing it? And again, but, but then that individual, right? It's like, you don't agree with this. So why are you sharing it? It's like, oh, I just want to talk about it because I don't like it. What sense does that make? So it is a part responsibility for people to be critical about what they consume and doesn't make sense. Um, like some of those doctor people in, that you mentioned with the Gwyneth Paltrow podcast, I would hope a person has enough sense to be like, well, do these guys or girls have any merit? I would hope that. But then the sad part is that even if the individual who's listening doesn't do that work, the people who are podcasting, they know exactly what they're doing. The reason why podcasting is also so powerful is because you can target particular demographics. If you are a real estate agent, and you want to try to get more people to buy houses, if you create a podcast about that, you can focus that and market it to people who are into real estate. But what happens is, is that anyone who continues to entertain it obviously is in the mindset of either working in the industry or possibly want to covet your advice or your information. But that means that, you know, you can get that demo. With Granite Paltrow, yo, how many people out here were questioning Dr. You know, Fauci? You know, I'm going to say this. I like to read stuff. I like to Google stuff, but I know when I'm out of my league. Look, we in a pandemic, panoramic, Panasonic. I don't know. <laughs> Let Fauci, whatever he say, I'm going to go with. Okay, cool. But how many people out here sitting here? Oh, he don't know what he's talking about. He, so you mean to tell me my guy went to all of them years of school just to get the job and not be good at it? So you mean to tell me he went to school for this? And you with the Google and, you know, the WebMD. And to me, it's I'm all about people thinking for themselves and questioning things. But at some point, you got to stop the bullshit. Like at some point, you got to give yourself you got to hold yourself accountable to. Well, look, is what I'm saying or believing actually feasible? Like there's people who when Trump was in office during the pandemic, he mentioned some kind of horse tranquilizer or something as a means to treat COVID. And people took it and people died after taking it. I mean, it's not a common conversation, but that's the crazy part about demographics because no matter what, even though the pandemic happened, you're gonna have people who are like anti-vaccine for whatever reason. When you have masks, you're gonna have people who are anti-mask for whatever reason. So in anything, there's always gonna be a demographic. 
the unfortunate thing is there's people who actually want to cater to the anti side of the demographic. Just this podcast we're doing here, we're talking about things that pertain to black mental health wellness. Someone's going to potentially come out and troll and say a whole bunch of nonsense, regardless of what background they come from. But that's take that person and times it by 100. There's a group of people just like that. So even though people can pick and choose the things that they consume, people who have podcasts, they know what they're doing when they create the stuff that they create because they know that this is what's going to keep it going. They're just trying to do it so that they can get in front of whatever crowd. Most times, they don't even care about the crowd. They just care that the crowd's consistent. And then they'll say, well, what can we do to keep these people tuned in? And a lot of the times, it's the ratchet stuff. And that's, that's, but that's the damaging stuff. Predominantly at this point, like people who are you and I, like our age, we're not tapping into social media so, so often that we're like, all right, I'm just going to believe whatever I hear. But the reality is, like, there are people who are coming up behind us. You have Gen Z, late millennials, et cetera, who are buying it as news because they, they're they leaving traditional media, mm -hmm. right? And they're taking this as their news source. Like, it just it is fact, right? Yeah. So I'm like, if no one is checking that, if there's no check and balances whatsoever, and I'm not saying that we need to sit here and, you know, live in, you know, communism and have our things censored and whatnot, but I'm like, to some extent, like, for example, you have a Gwyneth Paltrow. If she, if someone introduces you, if I said this is Dr. Cheese, how many people are going to go out of their way and be like, is he a doctor? Yeah, right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Especially if you're young. So if that doctor goes, yeah, that, that diet is super valid. And next thing you know, you're hooked up to an IV because you have malnutrition and all these things. I'm like, you can't really sue. There's like, there's no veil to pierce there. I'm like, what? Yeah. And, and the thing is, too, it's like you look at the platforms of podcasts like Spotify or these other places, and they have certain rules and guidelines that they go and abide by, but First Amendment, freedom of speech. Now, the thing is, I'm not going to defend people who talk about crazy stuff or toxic stuff, but there are things that I realize that are just things I can't control, you know? And it's like you said, those young folk um, who are consuming those things and people who are making it seem like it's cool to talk about things without being credible or being held accountable. It's like, well, who is supposed to hold those things accountable? And what I've come to realize is we as people and individuals, we cannot expect someone else to hold someone else accountable, especially when there's money involved. I'll, I'll put this hat on real quick. I'm Spotify. Gwyneth Paltrow and whatever other individual do a podcast, they get 100,000 listeners every month. And they're bringing them, I'm and as Spotify, I'm making money on them. Now, do I go into the conversation of, hey, you got to fix up your stuff, blah, 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 because you want to hold them accountable. Keyword is accountable. Not to say she's right or wrong, but again, accountable. Like, hey, what about your doctors? Like, are they legit? As much as you would think that would something be simple that makes sense, these entities, they're not going to do it. So that's why it's up to people um, to hold themselves accountable in a way in which, as far as these young people who take these things and they consume it, it's like, I want to put out what I want to put out and hope those people find it and it helps them. But again, I go back to what I'm able to do and what I'm not able to do. And I think that comes part in being a broadcaster is sometimes we put the weight of the world on our shoulders and we think we got to fix everything or we got to talk about everything. But there's a time when certain things could be like a rabbit hole and then there's times where you can actually make a difference. Um, and I'm not saying that for people to feel discouraged, but you want to empower yourself with what you know you can do. Because people will run themselves ragged because 
they they're trying to attack something big and don't feel like they're making progress. Well, that's that's because you're not supposed to look at things that way. Do what makes sense for you or what comes natural to you and go on that. But then as far as what you consume and but what we see these people were talking about these things, I can go up to them and tell them they're full of it, but they're going to keep doing whatever they do. So the only thing I can do is create my narrative and create my, my stuff, you know? And I'll say this last thing too with that. Uh, I read a book, uh, Charlemagne the God's uh, Black Privileges. Um, he said uh, there's... When it comes to an audience, there's only 10 people you need to care about. Four of those people are people who like you, right? All those four people that can be family, friends, people who got to know you over time. Five of the 10 people don't like you for whatever reason. Doesn't matter, won't change their mind. That's nine. The one person whose opinion matters the most is the person who's undecided because they don't have enough information to know if they should be a fan or not a fan. Now, the irony is, if you being yourself and that person becomes a, not a fan, now that's out of that group of 10, you have majority of them that don't like you. That's just life. There's a majority of people who don't like us for whatever. There's people who don't like me because the way my hair is or whatever the case may be. But don't focus on the people who don't like you. Focus on those who do like you and the people who don't know much about you. Because those are the only two people where those who don't know you, there's a chance that they can become an ally because you're being yourself. Or they like you because you're just doing whatever. And now it's balance. Half likes you, half don't like you. That's a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. So fast round so the audience gets to know you. Okay. Um, what is your favorite color and what do you think it says about you? Hmm. Jeez. I feel like this changes over the time. That's a good thing. I feel like if your favorite color stays the same, I don't trust you, to be honest. Yeah. I would probably say like, Navy blue. Okay, okay. Blue. And I think because uh, it's more of like a bolder blue, like a stronger blue, so I think it kind of goes back to like, you know, being a very strong out there kind of person. But blue is also very chill, calming, familiar, relatable. So I think that's probably, yeah. Okay, since you're a radio host, is there a radio show that you constantly listen to that is not your own? A radio show that I constantly listen to. That's a, it was a couple. I would definitely say The Breakfast Club. <gasps> and I had this feeling. It's, you know, and there's so many other morning shows like Big Boys, Neighborhood, and, uh, you know, L.A., and then there's Ricky Smiley, you know what okay. I'm saying? Uh, Steve Harvey, you know what I'm saying? I actually and, love Steve Harvey. Yeah, I love Steve Harvey, too. Okay. Um, Strawberry Letter. Listen. <laughs> yeah. But um, the reason why I uh, listen to them because they're very current and up to the times, and going back to the point about radio being a prophet or whatever... God willing, I get to that place where I am very good with being topical, being informed about things going on and build a platform and then eventually use that platform to then promote the things that I really want to do. So I listen to Breakfast Club a lot because I think they're very current and they, they do some pretty good, cool things. Okay. And then since you're trying to, the goal to try to be like the Breakfast Club, I'm assuming, right? I'm like, how much work do you think you have left to do? Like, do you have to read more? Like, do you have to, like, uh, network more? Like, what is the biggest challenge that you are facing when it comes to reaching your goal? Um, I would say the biggest challenge is the effort and work that I put in. Um, radio asks a lot of people. I just came back from an event earlier today where I had to help host um, a day party. Just yesterday, Saturday, we had... T.I., Ying Yang Twins, 
um, two chains. Um, I might be forgetting somebody perform outside of the park and stuff. I was there too. These um, are things that you let someone know, by the way, when they come to Arizona, because I've been looking for things to do. Uh, and my girl, Natalie, <laughs> I love her, but she was bringing me to sprinkles, cupcakes, ATM. And I was like, babe, this is, if this is what y'all do, I'm going to do it. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, I wish I could have let you know, but it's work for me. So it's like trippy sometimes. Cause it's like telling somebody, Oh, I'm going to be at work here. I mean, come through to the job. You're going to love it. And and no offense. It's like, I enjoy running into people when I'm doing events, but it's work for me. And as much as I'd like to have a conversation or vibe, like if I'll use today, for example, it was a day party brunch thing. You know, we're running a table with prizes and stuff like that. I got to maintain that. I got to help the DJ out. And I mean, and in the second I'm talking to someone and get distracted, it could be a whole thing. But um, I say... For me to get to that next level is because it comes down to um, pushing onto the things that I want. Um, with radio, again, uh, just letting it be known what I want to do, contributing ideas. Um, essentially, the individuals at the station showing them, like, nah, I'm really involved. Because here's my thing. If you had a radio station and you had to choose between people who you would like to talk on your radio station you would hopefully want the person who kind of goes out of their way to you and give you ideas and say, I had this idea, I had that idea. Or they do different things to show you that they're very serious about it. And then even in getting an opportunity to be on the radio, being good at that job, but just holding myself in a place where I am informed, I'm topical, I'm entertaining, but also I'm reflective about the things that I do and say and try to get better as time goes along. Okay, good. Thank you so, so yeah, much for yeah. joining us today here at the podcast. Thank you for sharing your truth. We're going to be sure to drop your Insta handle so everyone can follow. Please let us know what y'all thought in the comments. Mm -hmm. If y'all agree, disagree, if y'all wanted something, if y'all wanted to have a question by yourselves, I'm sure Cheeseburger, if he sees you, you know, and the questions, he will yep. answer them to the best of his ability. Mm -hmm. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe, and share with a friend, y'all, because, I mean... I mean, we're not for-profit just yet, but right. I would like to be for-profit. Yeah, and she glowing, too. She I hydrated, mean, she drink her water. I, I sure do. You I, know? No, I sure do. Now, on a real note, thanks for joining us, y'all. Let us know what you thought, and thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys the next time. Yeah. Bye.